people think the new fresh fragrances from Glade are fresher than fresh, like Creator Kate. This Glade Orchid Neroli candle is so fresh. It's like fresh as watching a sunrise in Santorini. Yeah, I'm going to need more of those. Explore the new Glade Fresh collection today. We are headed into another midterm season. Uh, yeah. We'll be talking about it. I know you guys will be talking about it. How do you <laughs> personally keep doing this show without getting burned out by politics? I'm definitely burned out by politics. <laughs> Sorry. There's like, I'm definitely burned out. I hate everyone. Everyone's bad. There's no, <laughs> there's, there's no secret. I mean, everyone's terrible. That's all I can really bring to it. I don't want to talk about it anymore. You are Do in the wrong else? line of business. I'm in the wrong line of business for sure. I'm John Favreau. Welcome to Offline. Hey, everyone. My guest today is Samantha B, the Emmy Award-winning host of Full Frontal with Samantha B on TBS. Most of you are probably familiar with Sam B. Before Full Frontal, she was the longest-serving correspondent on The Daily Show, which she joined in 2003. That was the same year I joined my first presidential campaign. So the two of us have had front-row seats from slightly different perspectives as to how the Internet has transformed the media, our politics, and the way we talk and laugh about both. I've always thought that Sam, Jon Stewart, and the entire Daily Show cast delivered not just the funniest media criticism, but the smartest. It's part of what inspired us to start Crooked Media in the first place. So I wanted to ask Sam about what she thinks has changed over the years. Basically, why everything that we thought was bad about media and politics in the early 2000s has become so much worse. And even though we booked her a while back, when I watched the internet explode over a comedian getting slapped at the Oscars for telling an offensive joke, it wasn't lost on me that I'd soon be talking to a comedian for this show. One who's even told a joke that led to the kind of online outrage cycle we've become way too familiar with. What followed was a hilarious conversation with Sam about burnout from covering politics, our disdain for cable news, her now infamous Ivanka Trump joke, and of course... We talked about what happened between Will Smith and Chris Rock at the Oscars, just like every other podcast this week. As always, if you have questions, comments, or complaints about the show, feel free to email us at offline at crooked.com. And if you wouldn't mind, please rate, review, and share the show. Here's Samantha B. Samantha B., welcome to Offline. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have you. You and I last spoke uh, when you were kind enough to have me on your excellent podcast, uh, Full Release with Samantha B. Thank you. Thank you. It was a few weeks after the 2020 election. We were both, I remember, so excited to leave behind the rage and anxiety of the Trump era for the calm <laughs> waters of the Biden years. <laughs> and here we are. How does it feel? Is it everything you hoped it would be? just a dream it's a dream world and uh everything turned out exactly as we had both hoped and uh no <laughs> no no looking back yeah. do you aren't you shocked at what a baby you were even two years like i'm like was i a baby <laughs> did i not understand things i, like, oh. I did i did listen a little bit to our interview from then just preparing okay. for this and i was okay. about to cringe because i thought we would both make a bunch of predictions that didn't come true but we were good we were like 
Really? We should be worried about an attempted coup, though I don't think he'll succeed, which, you know, again, okay. is what yep. happened, is what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't have very high hopes. I don't know that we thought things would be this bad. They're so, they are so bad. <laughs> they are so bad. <laughs> Correct. Um, yeah. Your your show, Full <laughs> Frontal, is now in its seventh season. Congratulations. Thank That's you. Amazing. Thank you. Um, Thank you. Before that, you were... The longest-serving Daily Show correspondent of all time yeah. from from 2003 to 2014. I joined my first political campaign in, in 2003, so you and I have been thinking and talking about politics for the same number of years. When yes. you when you guys were skewering George Bush and Fox News and the Republican Party every night during mm-hmm. the Daily Show years, did you ever think that politics could get this much worse? No. Uh, next question. No, like I just don't, I had no idea how bad things could get. I mean, it was bad. It was That was bad. a bad time. And the war in Iraq was a nightmare and a disaster, as we know. Um, and we knew that in that moment. Um, but, you know, I didn't really understand how low the discourse could go. It's a bad, it's a bad out there. I've been wondering that, too, because in terms of, like, world-shaping events, mm-hmm. it does seem like the Iraq war back then was on par with some of what we're seeing today. Mm-hmm. But everything, the, like you just mentioned, the discourse, everything feels worse. And, like, I remember when, when Jon Stewart left The Daily Show in 2015, there were some mm-hmm. pundits, there were a couple pieces like this that said, you know, the nightly mockery of Fox News had run its course because Fox was losing audience and influence just mm. like most cable news. That right. obviously couldn't have been more wrong. What What mm. do you think has happened over the years? Well, we are all, I mean, you know, referencing the name of your show, we are extremely online. So <laughs> that is different. Yes. I mean, we're online at a level that, uh, you know, is unmatched. So that has that has changed that has changed the calculation for sure and um and and Fox News is so it's been around for so long now it's just it's it's just infected it in, first it infected our grandparents <laughs> <laughs> first it came for our grandparents and we said nothing. now it's now it's generational you know what i mean yeah no <laughs> yeah. i wonder that too i wonder if it's fox probably has around the same audience but Ever since the advent of Facebook, uh, mm. that's where Fox puts a lot of its greatest hits. And then that sure. affects a whole bunch more people. And now we've got a whole bunch of YouTube channels and, mm-hmm. you know, right-wing radio has become right-wing podcasts. And so I just feel like the right-wing media empire has probably grown a little bit. Oh, it's massive. I mean, it's massive. I think it, I mean, I, I don't know if I'm right about this, but I feel like it looms large over the other side of things. I mean, it's huge. It's just, it's yeah. big bigger it feels more comprehensive for sure that silo feels very large the silo is feel very large so much of mm-hmm. so much of what you all did at, at the daily show was media criticism that mm-hmm. wasn't just funnier but smarter than anything i'd ever seen uh it, it's part of what inspired crooked media oh. why do you think even with trust in media as low as it's ever been so much of the media has either not changed or gotten mm-hmm. worse since uh, John yelled at those crossfire hosts all those years ago. <laughs> <laughs> those feel like pastoral times. Um, you know, we have a 
we have a profit-based system of news reporting and gather like i mean it's it's just a it's a profit-based system and you can't avoid falling into the traps of like needing views and clicks and like that's i mean i think it's as simple as that if you tune out those streams of content you actually get a much better feed but you have to really work hard to to tune it out yeah i wonder why we have to work so hard to tune it out we have to work really really hard i mean part of me thinks that so much of this, like you said, is it's online now and yeah. everything when the entire world of politics and media is online and everything happens faster, louder, noisier, nastier, mm-hmm. it, it it seems like it's harder to tune it out because all journalists and all people in the world of politics are online, especially Twitter. And so to tune it out is to also sure. avoid all of the news, which seems like a quite a difficult thing to do. <laughs> and also it makes it very difficult. I actually think it makes it very difficult to focus on the news. It makes it very difficult to dig into stuff. It makes it difficult to hold people's attention on one story for more than about two new, like two 24 hour news cycles. It's super fickle. Like, you know, something happened at the Academy Awards on Sunday night and it really overshadowed a very very interesting and disturbing story about a different power couple jenny and clarence thomas (laughs) (laughs) we probably should return to that conversation and keep talking about that one that's so funny because we um we covered jenny and clarence thomas on pod save america on Mm -hmm. on tuesday's episode and we purposely we woke up and we're like, I don't want to talk about the Oscars. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? I think we can get away with it because it's Pod Save America and we talk about politics. Yeah. Um, but we did, after talking about Ginny and Clarence Thomas, we came up with a title for the episode that was mm-hmm. Keep Your Wife's Name Out of My Evidence. Oh, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> Keep my wife's name out of your evidence. That's um, great. So we got we we sort of decided to swim into the content stream, mm-hmm. right? Because right. sometimes you have to go go where it is. But what I saw, um, I saw right after the Oscars, I saw Conan O'Brien tweet. Mm-hmm. Uh, just saw the Will Smith slap. Anyone have a late night show I can borrow just for tomorrow? Oh, um, that's funny. Is there any part of you that wishes you had a nightly show so that you could cover? And talk I'll answer about that. What... I'm going to cut you off. I'm not going to let you finish that question. The answer is no. Are you kid- Are you crazy? You were happy because I know you have a once a week show. So I was like, I wonder yeah. if she's happy no. or like, damn, that could have been my Monday night. No. Oh, <laughs> yuck. That's. I'm so happy actually to have some space between <laughs> between me and Sunday night, so I don't have to. What um, makes you so? What What makes you happy that you didn't have to cover it? Because I I don't want to talk I don't want to talk about it it's I don't want to talk about it and then I brought it up so I started talking about it <laughs> you but started it. and I I acknowledge that but it is actually really nice to have a little bit of space between like the big thing that everyone's talking about and it it's nice to do a show on Thursdays so that we can just kind of process that and put it aside and see if it has if it has legs or like if we like have to you know. Sometimes you feel like you have to talk, you have to be a part of the conversation, the cultural conversation. I'm very grateful to not always have to do that. I will tell you where my head went as Uh I watched the whole thing unfold. First of all, my wife, Emily, was like, 
these Oscars are really boring. I'm going upstairs to watch something else. I'll see mm -hmm. you in a bit. Literally three minutes before it happened. <laughs> oh, I did that too. I was asleep. I was in bed. I was I think I was in bed reading and fell asleep reading. And Jason came in and tried to wake me up and I was gone. Just absolutely gone. So but my first thought as I watched it unfold was, well, first of all, I couldn't believe what was happening. But then it's like, okay, I don't think we have to talk about this on Pod Save America. I do have a show called Offline about the internet and internet culture. So, and, right. and I am interviewing a comedian this week. <laughs> right. So, Mike, like, I, I saw an Associated Press headline afterwards that read, comedians react with horror at Will Smith's Oscar <laughs> slab. And the story was about comedians worrying that some people will now think it's okay to get up and hit them for telling an offensive joke. Like, do you do you share that anxiety? What what was your no, reaction? I don't share that anxiety. You don't think someone's going to come? <laughs> it was you. so stupid and fucking ridiculous. But I definitely it's so funny because we did I did watch a little bit of it. Like mm -hmm. I watched Amy's monologue, which was great, and I um we were I was watching a little bit of it with my kids before I kind of peeled off and was like I gotta go I gotta go read, and we watched the bit where um the host one of the hosts was uh like patting down all these men on stage and, like mm -hmm. called all those actors up and was like patting them down and I was like ha I was like hey kid like, you know you're always like trying to impart a boring lesson to your children when you're watching TV with them you're like just so you know <laughs> this is all fun and all but don't put your hands on people I was like you know that right don't put your hands on people they were like we know I'm like and nobody puts their hands on you they're like we get it I'm like this is a structured bit but let's not put our hands on other people and then and then a, this big slap I'm like well well that underlined the premise of my boring lecture <laughs> don't put your hands on people my god uh, you know that's sort of where I came from too because you know I'm a I'm a new parent now and I kind of saw mm -hmm. through the lens of being a, a new parent and I'm like I, I don't know this is pretty simple to me which is I would want Charlie to know um you don't hit people um and also you don't <laughs> tell jokes that are like uh particularly cruel <laughs> about other people and that's it yeah. and both things are bad to do and then now we can move on I don't know I'm yeah I'm not being too I'm not, I'm really trying to like not clutch my pearls I'm like mommy's said bad things about people. I can't deny that like whatever it's it's comedy it's the Oscars it's a pre-written bit you know it's anyway don't put your hands on people is a super good lesson for everybody to rehear even very powerful multi multi like powerful Hollywood narcissists don't do that thanks the Hollywood of it all really got me too, even more than the incidents itself, because it was just really strange how easy it was for everyone to like downplay it and move on to the point where then like Will Smith is like dancing with his Oscar to get in jiggy with it at the after party. <laughs> and I was just like, this is a very <sighs> online era thing in that it was a controversy that burned hotter, but also faster mm -hmm. than ever mm -hmm. before. And it's just like huge freak out and then we're all moving on and it was like so very hollywood and entertainment that everyone's just going to be like no every we're going on with the oscars nothing happened it's fine all i'm saying is i don't think it was easy for a lot of people like i don't think it was easy for i think people were uh, uh, freaking out. probably a lot of people were like really quaking and just like yeah. oh, i don't know what to do like <laughs> paralyzed with fear but beyond that it really really makes me understand why people hate hollywood like boy yeah. oh boy very hateable 
Yeah, I was sort <laughs> I of. Mind myself included. I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake. Like, can you be consistent for one? But the answer is no. So that's why that's why we peel off and go to bed and read a book during the Academy Awards, folks. Like, that's a choice you can make. That is a choice. I made it. It's a good choice. I highly recommend it. A car is never just a car. Kelly Blue Book knows it's so much more than that. It's your commuting chariot, your road trip refuge, your I just need a reason to get out of the house. Your car is there for everything. And for everything car, there's Kelly Blue Book. Need a new set of wheels? Price it on Kelly Blue Book. Problem under the hood? Fix it with Kelly Blue Book. Can another car do the job better? Trade it or sell it on Kelly Blue Book. We're here mile after mile, moment after moment. Price it, fix it, trade it, sell it. KBB.com. Visit kellybluebook.com to get the journey started. In general, uh, tiptoeing away from this controversy, um, how often do you feel constrained as to what you can joke about because you might get criticized for offending people or crossing a line? Uh, constra- I don't think constra- I don't think that we feel constrained. The only uh, the only real area in which where we do feel constrained, I guess, or like we feel the we feel the bumpers mm. is when you're trying to mention companies. <laughs> hey, <Really>? folks, <laughs> that's business. Um, but you know, our the show is a business. Our shows are businesses, and you do come up that that I think is the most. Uh, that's the governor on us because we always want to make fun of companies. But it's pretty hard to you can't make jokes about your advertiser you can't it's not you can't do it on a podcast to, to be honest like you yeah you actually do have to be mindful of that when you're um building a show and jokes because they're not going to make it in and you know it and you can make like one million jokes about pf changs if you want to try actually i think we can make jokes about pf changs <laughs> that might be one of the only places we can um uh but you will find probably without much thinking of it that it's actually very it's it it's kind of loaded if you want to mention a product or a company that's in, interesting in, when you're on television and that is true for all, all across all of television so it's not like it's not a constraint that surprises or horrifies me that's just reality yeah and it's fine um it's fine um, but constraints about jokes that we would want to tell. I mean, we are quite an oppor- you know, uh, an equal opportunity offender, I think. But um, we're certainly not trying to punch down. Yeah, that's but, a good you know, rule. It's really, it's the rule is mostly just like don't punch down. Be very careful. But we don't, we don't as people punch down anyway. Like we don't to have that impulse to do mm. that or if we if it if it like if it starts to creep in where you're like oh no i feel i feel i'm feeling sad for this person or i feel like this is not this isn't the right and sometimes you make a mistake and for sure that has happened but you try to correct that quickly but it's more like if you if you stay in the spirit of punching up to the people who are trying to make the rules yeah. that you will have to live under that will crush you then it's a uh, free for all. And I think that's as it should be. I mean, 
during our podcast, we read the ads and we certainly make fun of our advertisers. <laughs> right. But there's a there's a limit. I mean, we There's a limit though. We used to there's do a, a lot of, we used to do a lot of blue apron ads and at one mm-hmm. point we just started making up the recipes and and love it oh. had some pretty crazy recipes and at some right. point we were like, like hey, you know, if you can make fun of us, we like your sense of humor. Maybe don't like make up weird recipes from Blue Apron. Okay. <laughs> so I was like, you know what? That's totally fair. You're an advertiser. We yes. won't. <laughs> that's a There's... fair, fair And ask. even still, that's kind of, that's like really walking a line because it's really an homage to, that's right. uh, to a product. You really, what you really can't do is take a, a product. Like let's say someone, let's say a beat based, this has never happened to me. So I'm saying, I'm saying this because I feel completely safe. A sure. beat based male potency supplement, <laughs> like a beet and spinach related <laughs> <laughs> testosterone enhancer. It advertises on your show. Obviously they're seeking me because I'm like the best advertiser of that. Um, you can't eat, but you can't, in the in your in your promo say this is this is product is trash this doesn't work are you crazy this, this is, is unfortunate because we're about to cut to a commercial break where for beets for yeah beet supplements? For, it's a male I'm so it's a sorry. male enhancement supplement though so <laughs> a male dominance enhancement <laughs> everyone knows beets are the real deal <laughs> um you you had what I imagine to be a super fun experience with all of this when when you called Ivanka Trump a name, I'm sure she's oh, yeah. heard more than a few times uh, over the last sure. few years. Definitely. What what was it like to go through that? Aside from uh, it not was fun, not fun. It was not. It was not fun. I don't really. I mean, this is going to sound ridiculous. I don't regret it. It was a good overall. Like with distance behind me, it was a good overall experience and a good a good learning lesson for me and um probably one of the first times that i realized that people were kind of like listening to the things that i had to say and that sounds nuts but um you know i think especially when you come at well i guess i can only speak for myself but you know i i came at this show from a long history like a long career of just sort of trying to be heard and trying to scratch out a living and trying to like make my mark on a on a little piece of the daily show and Mm. like you're kind of eking out all these moments for yourself and that's you know there's like a lifetime of that and then all of a sudden you have a much bigger platform and it actually is pretty hard to get used to the thought that so many more people are seeing you in a different way and you've sort of become an established player in this world. It's actually a, a it's kind of mind bending. Mm. And that was my first realization of that moment, which was very good. It was a good realization for me. It was an ugly moment that definitely the like the winged monkeys are unleashed into your life. That's what I was wondering. Yeah. And um, so that was scary. That was scary, but it's not unusual. You know, we definitely go from zero to death threat in about four words these days. So, <laughs> so it's something you you ultimately get used to. You sadly, and it's actually very. You can't really even talk about it. You sh- you can't really talk about it because it it reminds people that they can they can do that do that, <laughs> and it's very easy to do that. So I I really don't talk about it too much, but it wasn't like. It wasn't a delightful era. 
we got through it and it, and it was fine but i definitely felt like oh it was like walking through it's like a little bit of walking across hot coals i guess you come out the other side you're like well i'm changed i'm different now am i better i don't know maybe a little bit definitely tougher yeah i mean one of the many frustrations of it i imagine is it it was in the context of you making an argument about um trump's family separation policy like taking yes. kids away from their parents at the border mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that seems to be i don't know a much bigger issue with greater human consequences than a name mm. the name that you call much bigger daughter. much bigger and then yet the focus is the name and what was just acutely painful to me was and i didn't really i didn't i didn't tap into the news cycle for sure i wasn't like show me everything people are saying about me but it just leaked in i mean it was like on the front page of the post it just kind of got to me like i started to really i was hearing it and what what was the most i guess acutely painful thing was that so many news outlets it went on for days it was just it was at least three or four days Mm. where it was which is a long time these days that's a long news cycle yeah and i heard from people who were like i'm in guatemala (laughs) what happened like people in hong kong were like we're hearing all about this we don't Anyway, um, (laughs) but like real legitimate news outlets just kept having like panel discussions where they were like, you know, and it's a real shame because, you know, it really takes the focus away from the family separation policy. And then that's, you know, we, you know, and people should be paying attention to that. I was like, you're the fucking news. You don't have to cover a bad word anymore. It's date. We're on day three. So like, actually, that's your fucking job. So do it. People should be cov- people should be covering that. But um, but anyway, we're out of time, and uh, yeah, we'll see totally. you tomorrow for another panel on yeah. what Sam B said about Ivanka. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> like I acknowledge, okay, like it was a moment, but it's a, a a word and a moment and a feeling and a thought about a person. Who gives a sh- like things were really happening. Yeah. That story was heating up and it took all the oxygen out of it for a couple of I mean I'm sure there were news outlets still covering it but for the for the most part our you know our fine journalistic outlets were really on top of the whole me of it it was so dumb. I mean one of the consequences of all of us living online i think Mm -hmm. is that twitter and online news in general tend to sort of flatten the news and so you lose a sense of perspective of what's important and what's not and so Mm -hmm. if you're scrolling through your timeline you know commentary about the slap is right after like oh and vladimir putin just uh you know leveled moripol yeah and it becomes hard to sort of distinguish i'm sort of wondering like how has like all of us being very online changed your job um with the show over the years like is it right i mean uh i don't know that it has well i guess it has changed our job in a way i i mean we came into this environment as it was it wasn't like a slow evolution of suddenly the internet you know the internet is very uh, <laughs> there's this thing called the internet, folks. Like we were <laughs> in it from the start. So we were 
already very accustomed to it. I don't think that it, I don't think that it, um, it's been helpful in a lot. It's been helpful to a certain extent. Like it is very, I do, one of the only social media things that I am on is Twitter. And it is just a obviously hot burning trash fire. But I love the speed. I love the speed of, I have a good news feed. And um, I love the speed of things. Like I definitely feel like I understand what's happening in the world in real time, which I do appreciate. All the other stuff I could definitely live without. Um, so in in some ways it's been sort of helpful to keep us to keep us in the in to keep us very current. Mm-hmm. I you know, most of the people I work with live online much more than I do. I actually don't I don't really engage online and I'm not on multiple platforms. Like I'm just not on them at all. And that is by design. So they live online a lot more than I do. I'm sure it's killing everyone slowly from the inside. (laughs) When I was interviewing um, Stephen Colbert for this show, he said he's on his phone maybe six hours a day with his little (gasps) little phone thing because he's trying to, you know, sort of consume all the news so that Mm -hmm. he knows what to talk about each night. He said, like you, he's not engaging much. His his staff is posting. Are you... How often are you on your phone and do you feel the same, even though you have a weekly show, do you still uh-huh. feel the same need to like be constantly up to date? Like are you constantly scrolling on your phone? Or I definitely like to know which way the winds are blowing. Mm. I like to know what the news is and I like to know what, excuse me, how attitudes are shifting, like mm. how the story is changing. I, it's not that that's going to inform the show, but I like to know. I like to be aware. Yes. Um so that is helpful. I don't know if I'm scrolling. I would not say that I'm scrolling six hours a day, but I get in a habit of it and my kids really notice it and they correct me if I'm doing too much of that. Oh, they I'm very much you. They do. They're like, this is, they're like, hello, hello. They're just like snapping their fingers. They're like, we're right here. <laughs> Can you please parent us? So I get into a habit of it from time to time, but then I, then I, I try to cut it off and not starve myself of it, but be a little bit more judicious. Mm. One thing that is, I mean, we um, we have Slack in our offices, and that actually, I'm constantly on Slack, and that is that does. So your um, staff is feeding you the most important news via Slack. No, no, not at all. No, it's more like work business and what we're doing. And, oh, got it. And and the 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 constructing the show. I'm following the news. We're all following the news feed on our own. But I never watch news. Is that bad? I never, never watch it. I don't. I don't either. Watch. No, I'm. I don't either never. anymore. When, when something truly big in the world is happening, yes, we might put CNN on in our mm-hmm. office just to catch mm-hmm. it. But other than that, I don't. Just not doing it. I'm getting it all online. And from the morning newspapers, really. And every time I go and watch cable news or television news after having not watched it for a while, I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. this is worse than I remember. <laughs> oh, this is just opinion. Oh, we're just, just speculating. Opinion. We're just going to have like five people who don't know, who knew something 20 years ago and the whole world has changed, but we're going to have them tell us what's going to happen 10, 10 months from now. Okay. <laughs> 
Sweet. I, it, <laughs> it happens to me, and sometimes I don't watch it. It's just I'm, I'm like asked to go do a, a cable hit on some political. They like uh-huh. haul me out when there's you know a State of the Union because I'm an old speechwriter. Right. Um, so I hadn't done it in a while, and I go on cable. And of course, the other thing is it's like a five-minute hit, so you can't mm-hmm. have a conversation. No. And, and I'm sitting there, I'm like ready to talk about Biden's State of the Union and his theory of the case and, and issues and all that. And I just get... What if something happens in Ukraine in the uh, in the middle of the State of the Union? Do you think they'll change something in the prompter? It's like what? Uh-huh. That's, <laughs> like, what? Oh. that's the that's it. That's the question. Like, all right, thank you, John Favreau. We are done for tonight. But I was like, well, that was a good use of time. <laughs> it really is such a weird, and you do, and you have to do, and it's like we're all kind of weirdly in the same industry, so we're all we all kind of like. I kind of know everybody and and everyone's name, whatever. But it is such a weird experience to do anything like that because you feel like, and it's the same with doing any kind of like a daytime show. Oh, I imagine when it's when it's over, you don't remember a thing about it. You remember this. There was a snack in the green room, and then I was walking in high heels through a lot of corridors, and then I was there, and then we did it, and I don't know what we talked about, and it's over in three minutes flat, and you're like, wait, I'm done, and then you're just walking the corridors in a shameful way on the way back to the snacks because you don't even remember you're like did i even talk was that could people understand what i was saying it i said it so, fast. so much faster than you think so much faster i really feel for people who are on camera on daytime news and talk shows for the first time they just must be because <laughs> they probably in their head have all these ideas of all the things they're going to totally. say and you're right you don't have it that's it you're done after a minute you say your name there's some story you tell and as you lose Mm -hmm. consciousness and then that's it you lose consciousness and then people are like good job and you're like what was it was it (laughs) i can't watch it because i'm not sure there were (laughs) sentences in there (laughs) i will not watch Silence is golden, especially when it comes to brakes. That's why Napa Silent Guard are built to be one of the smoothest and most quiet brakes on the market. Made with fiber-reinforced shims that eliminate noise for the life of the pad. Rubber-coated hardware for a better fit and quality design that meets and exceeds OE performance. Silent Guard brakes deliver the stopping power drivers demand. Available now at Napa locations nationwide. So the the news cycle gives us like uh, fifty stories a day uh, to choose from to talk about. I'm so interested mm-hmm. on Full Frontal. Like you guys do a few segments one night a week. How do you choose which stories to cover? Like what's that process like for you guys each week? So we really divide the show up pretty regularly. Our first act is generally the most topical of the acts. Our second act is something that we've spent a little more time with. So that is you know from the time we land on everybody's pitching by the time we land on something and fully research it it's usually a couple of weeks before that segment will air so Mm. we live with that a little bit longer and then at the end kind of wrestle it into today shape you know like what is happening Uh, is anything in this current moment happening with this thing and usually those things usually it coincides it's actually times very nicely and in the field we have it's a bit of a longer lead so we choose a story usually have to go off 
somewhere and, and, and film it. I went to Nevada last week. I'm going to Ohio tomorrow. So those segments will air a couple of weeks from now. So we spend a little time editing. Mm. Everything was different in COVID. Every single element of the show was totally different in COVID because for the first long time, there was only one story happening in the entire world and it was happening globally and that was COVID. Yeah. And, you know, and because we couldn't travel, we couldn't film normally, we filmed in the backyard, it was a whole different calculation. But in general, this is this is kind of like the system that we like. So we are filming, a, we'll tape a show on Thursday. And normally we sit on Tuesday and kind of go, what is where, which way is the wind blowing? What do we want to talk about on the show this week? These are, what about this? What about this? What about this? I think, and then we kind of wrestle it into the the point of view or mm. the story that we want to talk about. I've heard you say that you prefer doing sort of the once a week deep dive to the daily news cycle hot takes mm -hmm. that a lot of the other late night show hosts do. Yes. What, why is that? Well, it may, it sounds surprising, but I'm actually not a hot take person. Mm. I'm not, I don't, I often just don't have a hot take. It takes me a really long time to sort of think about how I'm really, um, it makes everyone at work actually crazy when I say this. I just, I gotta mull it a little bit. I'm a muller. Oh, you mean you're thinking um, things over to develop a, a, some thoughtful think, insight? That's thinking nuts. Thinking things through. <laughs> I can be, and get check this out, I can be convinced to hold an opinion that I didn't originally what? hold. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. is not, that's not what we do today. Yep, I know. Um, so I actually really strongly, I'm uh, averse to, to hot takes. And sometimes I worry when I go on other people's shows, that they're going to ask me for a hot take on something and I just don't really have it. I don't, I'm, I'm sort of like, I guess it's, uh, uh, I don't know. Like, I don't want to blurt it because I know I, I won't really feel that way. Yeah. It won't be so hot 24 hours from now. I'll just have a, more, a more kind of warm, a little bit more measured. I don't know. It's it's silly. I get it. This is look. This is why I have a podcast because I feel like with right. a podcast, it is you know once or twice a week. The format is long enough that you can actually. Sometimes I am working out my opinion in real time in conversation right. because that's actually what happens in real life. You yes. talk to your friends about an issue, and your mind changes, and your opinion develops as you're talking to someone. Yes, it's very healthy. Is it great? for the people who you work with not necessarily because everybody <laughs> wants want to be to everybody wants to be put on a path and everybody just wants to like know and i understand that i'm actually very reticent to to pull the trigger quickly on things unless it's super clear cut and there's just no other way to feel about something no we yeah. get that sometimes from even even our like social media team will be like yeah there's nothing from that episode that was really tight and punchy enough for like a for an right. online thing and i was like right. and sometimes i'm like you know what that's fine that's, <laughs> that's fine good. it's okay we just wanted to have a conversation and so yeah. it's okay if we didn't have a hot take it's fun to have conversations i really do <laughs> i love them. people should have more of them we they might be in a, we might be in a better spot i don't we know might. um do you view humor as a way to potentially change people's minds about politics or do you view humor as just a catharsis for people who share your views and, and your politics. I don't tend to think of comedy as an agent of change. Mm. Um, I mean, I'm sure it's possible, 
uh, I think of it more from the catharsis perspective. I definitely, I don't think there are a lot of people whose minds I'm changing with Full Frontal. I don't think there are a lot of people whose minds I changed when I was at The Daily Show. But the the role of a comedy show as catharsis has, it has its own value. And I really do see it that way primarily. Do we sometimes discuss things that people never thought of a certain way? Certainly. Um, that was true for me when I was just a viewer of The Daily Show. I often didn't know about a story and it was like very interesting to hear it through, you know, through a very, through John's perspective. I was like, I never thought of it that way before, but more often than not, it was, I agree with this person and I'm, that means I'm not crazy. Mm. I think that's true. Let's go. <laughs> I feel like that. It's funny. Yeah. I come, I mean, I come at it from the other side, from the political side, and like, when do we once in a while try to employ humor? I found that during the Obama years, sometimes when Republicans were acting crazy, the most yeah. effective way for Obama to deal with that would be to mock them. I yeah. sometimes wonder if authoritarians and authoritarian movements can be handled a little bit more effectively with mockery. Um, though again, we made fun of Trump at the correspondence dinner and then he ran for president. So that, that didn't, didn't work, work out, out at that all. did not work out for us that well. And usually the authoritarians just shut your shit down. Usually <laughs> yeah, yeah. they just well, go, their, actually, yeah. that wasn't a very funny joke. Your puppet show is over <laughs> and you're in jail. So they can enjoy it on the outside of this country, but not on the inside. Yeah. Now, once they're in power, it's sort of a little, a little tougher. Mm -hmm. it's, but, yeah. but, to, but to avoid getting them there, maybe. I mean, the other comedic challenge I wonder about is how you come up with jokes about some of the heaviest, most depressing news, especially political news that we've had in decades. Like, how, how have you kept the show funny through COVID, insurrections, you know, now a war in, in Ukraine? Well, I have to give credit to, like, I have incredible writers and producers at the show. Mm. And, like, Mike and Kristen, my co-head writers, are just so goddamn funny. And our I mean, our producing team is unbelievable. So it's not like I'm a one-woman band just, like, leading the charge of comedy at all times and being like, hey, man, let's go, team! <laughs> You know, sometimes I wake up and I'm like, I don't, I don't know what we're going to talk about <laughs> this week. And everyone's like, what about this? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> you know, we all, but I do think that we're a very good team. And I really mean a team because there are times when some of us are like, we just can't find the comedy in something. And then, you know, we kind of like work together and massage it into, into being funny. And then I go, okay, well, I think that this is very sad, but I'm gonna, I think I'll like my performance will approach it from this way. And we'll just sort of bring it together and put it in a studio and see how it sounds out loud. And if it's not quite right, then we'll make a change in the moment and we'll just, okay. it's like a lot of, it's a lot of like massaging and then also being surrounded by incredibly talented people. That's really, there's no magic to it. It's just like a lot of, it's just like hard, kind of like hard comedy work. It's not hard work in terms of what hard work actually is. <laughs> I am, yeah. have no illusions about that. But it's you know it's it's like you're in gear you're you're always kind of yeah. trying hard. 
Yeah, you. I guess you just keep shaping and keep working at it. I mean, I thought yeah. that the the segment you guys did um, the other week on the war in Ukraine was particularly well done. And I can imagine how difficult it must have been to just get that exactly right. Well, you know, to be honest, well, I, I, like we had, you know, we have Zooms all the time. We, uh-huh. we haven't, you know, we have Zooms all the time. I car- cried my face off. I sat in a Zoom and cried in front of the whole, the, all the writers. They were like, she's crying again. But, you know, it's very it sad. happens. Like, it's like, we're all human beings. None of us want to, <laughs> none of us want a war. <laughs> I don't know. There's no other, you know. So we know we have to make a show. We know we have a goal. We're like, all right. Well, what can we say in this moment that it feels appropriate that comes at it from the right perspective? It takes it takes time, and for that reason, I'm extra grateful to not have to do it every single day because mm. I just don't think that we could have a fresh take. That's true. on the war in Ukraine every single day. Um, it's it you know it's it's quite a process. Yeah, that was one of the few segments where I both laughed and also was like in tears myself listening to that woman uh, talk about her family. I was just like, oh my god! But you did it was it was very well done, and it was a um, it's a tough balance. Um, Thank you. We are headed into another midterm season. Uh, yeah, we'll be talking about it. I know you guys will be talking about it. How do mm-hmm. you personally keep doing the show without getting burned out by politics? I'm I'm definitely burned out by politics. <laughs> Sorry. There's like I'm definitely burned out. I hate everyone. Everyone's bad. There's no <laughs> there's there's no secret. I mean, everyone's terrible. That's all I can really bring to it. I don't want to talk about it anymore. You are Do in the wrong else? line of business. I'm in the wrong line of business for sure. Um I, he, I I am very burned out on politics, for sure. But I, I have this show, and I mean, to, we have to talk about the midterms. It's very important. Yeah. Like, I'm an, you know, I'm, I was born in Canada. I'm an American now. I vote here. I care about this place. I'm never leaving. I'm in it to win it. I want it to be better. I want politics to be better. So I can't, even though I'm very extremely burned out, I see the stakes, I see it all so clearly, and I just can't stop talking about it, even though it truly makes me sick. <laughs> Honestly, that's a, that is a perfect answer, and that's, a, that's how I feel too, because people ask me that all the time about getting burned out, and it's like, yeah, no, I, I, it sucks. I'm not like yeah. sitting here all Pollyannish thinking everything's wonderful when it's not. No. But like, I'm sorry, I care about it and I can't control that either. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. You have this platform. I hate platform. it. I care about it. <laughs> you have a platform. You've built a platform for yourself. Like, you got to use it for something. You have to use it for good. What are you going to do? Do a cooking show? Like, I mean, I love cooking shows. I need them. I have to watch them. But this is your passion. This is life. Are you, uh, are you still hopeful we might get the calm years that, uh, you and I had been hoping for last time we talked? No, not at all. Those, <laughs> that, me dream, <laughs> that dream died. <laughs> I, in fact, you had reminded me that I had that dream. That's how distant a memory that dream is. Yeah. No, I sort of wonder. I'm like, maybe this is just every year is going to be like this now and we're just going to have to, <laughs> we're just going to have to fight through it. Hey, can you believe we're going to be voting this year? This year. We're gonna not even talking about that election. part yet. We're going to be voting. We're going to be in the voting booth. It's creeping up. And the moment that day 
comes, we're going to be talking about, we're going to go straight into oh, I know. 2024, like we're the taking... day after. Oh, and I told myself like 2020 was so just anxiety inducing for so many yeah. reasons beyond yeah. Trump or in COVID, just mm -hmm. everything was falling apart. And mm -hmm. I remember right before 2020, I'm like, I cannot do this. I cannot feel like this again. I because I'm like I'm you know I check the news obsessively. I do the I, yeah. I have a show, but I'm not doing what I did in 2020, which is like 4:30 in the morning, wake up, scroll, oh, find the latest awesome. New York Times poll, freak out. What's happening? Mm -hmm. Like it has calmed a little. Not looking forward to it happening again. I have been saying every election cycle, I say to myself, well, I'm thank God I'm not doing that again. I'm just never doing it again. I'm just not going to. I'm going to know better. I'm yep. going to know myself. I'm not going to do it again. Every time I would go at the, Daily, at the Daily Show and even at Full Frontal, every time I went to a convention, I was like, well, that's the last one for Sam B. Never again. So at least we got that. And then here I am. I'm like, they just well, keep pulling probably. us back in. Just go to the conventions in. just one last time one last convention this will be the good one i know it <laughs> this <laughs> is the one where i'll have fun <laughs> uh last question i ask all my guests what's your favorite way to unplug and how often do you get to do it oh what's my favorite way to unplug well my favorite favorite if anytime i'm with my family my kids well which is really every day but i unplug with my kids That's i good feel my most calm i feel my most i feel i'm the most true to myself when they are all around me i have three um but apart from that i would say i love to cook and i love to bake mm -hmm. and that is a meditation for me that i just i love to follow a recipe it just gets me out of everything it gets me out of my it unspools my brain in a way just to get my hands in a dish or make bread or like make something fun make a cake yeah that that's what does it for me and if hands both down. hands are making the cake can't hold the phone can't hold the phone can't hold the phone that's perfect samantha b thank you so much for uh for doing offline thank you this was so fun thank you so much offline is a crooked media production it's written and hosted by me john favreau it's produced by Austin Fisher. Andrew Chadwick is our audio editor. Kyle Seglin and Charlotte Landis sound engineer the show. Jordan Katz and Kenny Siegel take care of our music. Thanks to Tanya Sominator, Michael Martinez, Andy Gardner-Bernstein, Ari Schwartz, Andy Taft, and Sandy Gerard for production support. And to our digital team, Elijah Cohn, Nar Malconian, and Amelia Montooth, who film and share our episodes as videos every week. Every week.